You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great Monday show for you. A jam-packed Monday show for you. All of your NBA playoff matchups are set. The Masters this past weekend, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. And if I can get to it, can we just award the World Series to the Tampa Bay Rays? Holy shit, have you seen what they've been doing to the baseball, the game of baseball, to their opponents? My God, we haven't seen anything like this before. We'll get to that momentarily. And I want to start off with the NBA. And I'm going to admit something right off the bat. I was wrong on Friday. If you remember what I said on Friday, I said, man, As we head into the weekend, right now, Phoenix is set for the fourth spot. They haven't lost a game that Kevin Durant has worn a Phoenix Suns uniform, and they're going to rest him the final two games of the season because they can't move up to the three, and they can't move back to the five. So what's going to happen is whoever gets in that five slot is going to have to play the Phoenix Suns. And I can't imagine anybody wants to play them because they are probably the favorite to win the Western Conference. If not the favorite, they're the second biggest favorite to win the Western Conference. And at the time on Friday, Golden State was tied with the Clippers. Clippers had the tiebreaker over Golden State if they finished with the same record. So the Clippers would finish five, Golden State would finish six, and yes, I'm guessing Golden State would much rather play a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 18 years, the Sacramento Kings, even though they're the three seed, and would play a team that is literally an hour and 20-minute drive away from them. So they really, I don't know, if you're in San Francisco and you're playing Sacramento, do those teams get on a plane to go see each other and play that series? I don't know. Maybe they just take a bus. I would think it's a bus, right? You just, when the games are in Sacramento, they take a bus to Sacramento and they stay there until they have to go back to Golden State and get on a bus. There's no point to get on a plane. Anyway, my whole point was, man, that works out perfectly for Golden State. They're the defending NBA champions. They don't have to travel and get on a plane at all. And if they do, it's a 30-minute flight, whatever, 20-minute flight. And they're playing a team that is not playoff savvy and is not playoff tested whatsoever. Sacramento had the longest streak in the NBA of not making the playoffs. So what happened? I told you on Thursday, I said, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State just sat their players and wanted to just stay in that sixth slot. Here's where I made my mistake. The Golden State Warriors are fucking champs. They're not laying down for anybody. They sent out their starting team and blew doors on their last two games because I think they assumed the Clippers were going to win their last two games as well because the Clippers had to play Portland and they had to play Phoenix. Portland sat their top nine guys, and Phoenix didn't play any of their starters. Now, yesterday when they played Phoenix, they trailed at halftime. They were trailing in the fourth quarter, ultimately ended up winning. So Phoenix gets the four. The Clippers get the five, and Golden State gets it perfectly set up for them at the six. And what did I say before we even talked about these? I said, if Golden State is the six seed and are playing the Sacramento Kings as the three seed, you can throw the records away. Golden State is going to be favored in that series. And what did I say? Like minus 160, I thought was, I kind of gave that out. I was like, it'd probably be like minus 160 to beat. Uh, the Kings in that series? Yeah, not quite, Steve. They're minus 260 
to win that series. I mean, they're a two and a half to one favorite to win that series. Nobody's the giving the Kings a chance, nor should they. Like I said, the Kings are a great story. Mike Brown's going to win coach of the year, probably. They're over under total wins at the beginning of the season. One of my biggest bets of the preseason was the Sacramento Kings over 34 and a half wins. What'd they end up winning? 48, 49 games. Wasn't even close. I won. I went, by the way, I went three and two on my NBA totals over unders. I had the Sixers over, I had the Nuggets over, and I had the Kings over. I also bet the Raptors over and the, uh, not Hawks, oh, Bulls over. So it went three and two, but Raptors and Bulls, my two losses, were the two smallest bets that I made. So had a good I had another good preseason over-under betting. But here we are, and now Golden State is minus 260 to win the series. Do you know what the Phoenix Suns number is against the Clippers? Phoenix Suns are the four seed. They basically finished, I think, two games better than the uh, the Clippers, record-wise, maybe three. It's a 4-5 matchup, and Phoenix Suns are a 5-1 to one favorite to beat the Clippers. Now, if you're a betting person, you have to bet the Clippers just for value. Phoenix is being overvalued because they haven't lost a game with Kevin Durant in a Phoenix Suns uniform. If he stays healthy and the Phoenix Suns have no injuries during this series, should they beat the Clippers and win this series? Yes, they should. That's why you have to lay $5 to win $1. Like, But... Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, good coach. I would be surprised if they won, but they are definitely taxing you, and that's probably like what we'd call a KD tax because they haven't lost with him. So, of course, they're going to set it a little bit higher. But, man, minus 500 to win that series. That was the opening number. I don't know what it's at now. It probably dropped because there's professional gamblers are not going to sit there and – at the Clippers with a with a t- uh, with a tandem of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard getting plus three fifty on the comeback, I, professional gamblers are taking that. So it's probably down now. But anyway, so those are your matchups in the West. Those are set because your other ones can't be set until the play-in game start. The Lakers host the Timberwolves for the seven eight for the seven seed. The winner of that game gets the seven seed. The loser plays the winner of the Pelicans-Thunder game, the 9-10 game, and that team gets the 8 seed. So, Kings-Warriors, Suns-Clippers in the West. If the Lakers win, it's Grizzlies-Lakers. Hell of a first-round matchup. The Grizzlies, as we know, good young team, but not playoff-tested. The Lakers, with LeBron and AD, won an NBA title. Granted, they have a whole new team around them now that looks to be healthy. If LeBron and AD do not get injured in that series, I could see the Lakers winning. I really could. Is Memphis younger and quicker and more athletic? Absolutely. But the Lakers have LeBron James and AD. And if AD plays the way he has the last two months, which is literally out of this world, they could win that series. And then... But oh, And then if the Lakers lose, but then they win the other play-in game because they'll play the winner of the Pelicans-Thunder game, and they win that, they end up as the eighth seed, they play Denver. Same thing. Denver's a lot more slow, methodical, plotting. Uh, you know, look, as I said for the last week or so, 
The Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Kings, the top three seeds in the West, I don't think anybody expects either of those teams to even get to the conference finals, even though they were the three best teams in the West this year during the regular season. Playoff basketball is a whole different animal. The Nuggets have never done anything in the postseason. The Grizzlies are young, and the Kings haven't been to the postseason in 18 years. So you got the Suns, who have KD, and can roll out a starting lineup that is the best five that you could get out with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and it could be me, like I said, out there. It doesn't matter. That's the best starting five in the Western Conference. The Clippers are playing well. They've got a two, two stud st- in starters with Kawhi and Paul George. The Golden State Warriors are only the defending NBA champions. They're healthy for the first time this year. They've won 10 of their past 12 games, and they don't have to travel in their first series? Man, Golden State, I mean, this is shaping up. I said it last week, and I'll stick with it. I think your Western Conference Finals is going to be Golden State against Phoenix. I think Phoenix beats the Clippers. I think the Warriors beat the Kings. And then no matter – if just say the Nuggets and the Grizzlies, the 1-2, win their you know first-round series. The Nuggets would play the Warriors, and the Grizzlies would play the Suns. And I think the Suns would beat the Grizzlies, and I think the Warriors would beat the Nuggets. Simple as that. I don't think that – I'd be shocked outside of injuries happening – to any main player, I would be shocked if a healthy Golden State team loses before the conference finals, and I would be shocked if a healthy Phoenix Suns team lost before the conference finals. As for the East, don't care as much. The Milwaukee Bucks, number one seed, Celtics are the two. I really do think it, the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be Bucks celtics Maybe, maybe the Sixers can push the Celtics to a Game 7, and then, you know, you never know what happens in a Game 7. But those are the only three teams that could possibly come out of the East. The Cavs aren't ready. The Knicks aren't ready. The Nets aren't ready. And obviously, no, nobody in the playing game is making the finals. So, you know, if you ask me now, I think Bucks warriors I'd love to see a Bucks warriors final. Absolutely. So, but Bucks suns a repeat of two years ago, I could see that as well. All right, let's talk about the Masters this weekend. Now, I understand that everybody that was in the field and everybody that made the cut had to deal with the exact same conditions. However, this is the Masters, and you just kind of want good weather for four days. Yes, we've had rain delays in the past. Yes, we've had rounds having to be made up the next morning or whatever. But, man, it kind of sucked from the afternoon Friday and all day Saturday to see that weather and what those guys had to deal with. Because when it came down to a sunny Sunday, look what happened. Like, it wasn't really close once John Rahm took the lead. But, man, I felt bad. It just it just sucks, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I hated that they had to deal with that weather. Because, look, we don't know. You know, if they all tee off yesterday morning and they only had to play 18 holes, maybe things turn out differently. We don't know, and I'm not making excuses for anybody, certainly not making excuses for Brooks Kepka. because if you're going to say, well, yeah, he just got worn down by the conditions and the fact that he had to play 29 and a half holes on Sunday, I mean, well, look at Brooks Kepka's body and look at John Rahm's body. <laughs> Brooks Kepka looks like has the body of Adonis for a golfer. John Rahm looks like a bowler. And John Rahm clearly, clearly 
was able to deal with the elements way better uh, than Brooks was. You can't say it was fatigue or whatever. The bottom line is when they teed off yesterday, when they pick, when they resumed yesterday, John Rom and Brooks Kepka were on the seventh hole in the round three. So they had to finish out seven, play eight and nine, and then the back nine. So they had 11 and a half holes to finish out plus another 18. So 29 and a half holes they had to play on Sunday. When they picked up yesterday, it was Brooks Kepka with a four-stroke lead. He was 13 under par, and John Rahm was nine under par. Right when they went out to the course, Rahm birdied and Kepka bogeyed. Seventh hole. So it was already down to a two-stroke lead. Then Brooks Kepka birdied eight, the long par five. Then from the eighth hole of round three earlier that morning till the 13th hole in round four, Brooks Kepka never had a birdie. He didn't birdie for 23 holes after literally boat racing the field on Thursday and Friday. So it's kind of what I mean. Like, I don't even want to hear about the live stuff or live versus PGA or whatever. Like, I, you know, if, if live is supposed to be like, well, look at us. We're not worn out when we play in majors because we play in fewer tournaments and we play fewer holes. Okay, well, then Liv would just dominate the whole Masters board. Granted, they had two of the top three scores there, but you can't make the comparison to that. It's it, it's not that. It's whoever it, – it's not team play when you get to the Masters. It's you versus the course. Good players are going to score well, and good players are going to score bad. Bad players can have a great four days. Bad players can have a horrible four days. So – it had nothing to do with live versus PGA. The bottom line was John Rom. There's a reason he's the number one player in the world. He's damn good. And he deserved to win yesterday. And he won going away. For whatever reason, Brooks Kepka, who looked unstoppable Thursday, Friday, from the time that that rain delay happened, clearly something changed. And he goes, he got thrown off his game because when he went out there, he only played seven holes on Saturday, and then he had to play 29 and a half yesterday, and he didn't get his first birdie uh, until um, well, he, got, he, he birdied eight, and then he didn't get another birdie until he came back around and played 13. So he went 23 holes without a birdie. And you, you do that on, on Masters Sunday, you, you can't win. It's just not going to happen, especially in good conditions. If it was horrible conditions, it would have made sense. Then if he would have just kept getting pars and everyone else getting pars, then, yeah, it's totally doable. But, man, that course is so much fun to watch, and I was having this conversation. I am an average golfer, and I don't play a lot at all anymore. If I go out and play a regular public course right now here in Dallas, I haven't swung my clubs in a year and a half. I'd shoot probably mid-90s. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'd break 90. No, I wouldn't break 90. I just wouldn't have a feel around the greens. I I would probably hit the ball well, but I wouldn't chip and putt well, and that's where scoring comes from. So I'd probably shoot mid to high 90s if I went out and played just a regular public course right now. I was talking to my friend about this. I said, if we went out to the Masters and we played Augusta right now and we put the ball on the green 40 feet away from the hole on every hole, we started every hole laying one, on the green from 40 feet out, what do you think we'd shoot? And both of us agreed, us, and he plays way more golf than me, the average golfer would shoot probably 90 to 100 
if they started every hole on the green. Because for those that are unaware, the greens at Augusta, talking about on a normal day, number one, they're lightning fast, and number two, they have 1,700 undulations in them. It doesn't look that way on TV, but I'm telling you, those greens are damn near impossible. It's why they're pros, and it's why they're good, <laughs> and it's why they get paid the money that they do. But I'm telling you right now, you if you're listening to this and you're an average golfer, you wouldn't even come close to shooting par, which means I'm giving you a three-putt on every hole because you'll be laying one 40 feet away. You would If you three-putted every hole and got a four on every hole, that would be 72. You're not getting a four on every hole from 40 feet out, hitting two on your first putt. No chance. You're probably shooting 90 to 100, and that's how hard that course is. That's how hard those greens are. So just a little fun thing that I was uh, talking about with my uh, with my buddy. You kind of knew that Tiger was never going to make it to Sunday when you saw him playing before the rain stopped on Saturday and stopped all play. The guy could barely walk out there. And I was like, um, Tiger's on the ninth hole. Do you honestly think he's coming out and playing 27 on Sunday when he can't even walk right now? So you kind of knew that that's what was going to happen there. Um Man, it was tough to watch. And you know, it, Tiger has said it. Like, look, I'm just this is going to be the rest of my career. I'm not all of a sudden magically not going to have any leg or foot problems when I play golf. Golf is a game where you have to walk, and this guy literally almost lost his leg in a car accident. So, yeah, this is the way it's going to be for Tiger. Screw a major. I I, I can't even see him coming close in a major. I don't even a goal for Tiger would be top 10 in any tournament for the rest of his life. It's just not easy. And to walk for 4 days even on an easier course than the Masters, which is about as hilly as you can get. Another thing that you can't see on television is how hilly Augusta is and how steep some of your walks are just walking in the fairway. You're literally walking sometimes up at a 45 degree angle to get up to a green. That's why sometimes, especially on 10, if you hit it short on the green and it rolls all the way back into the fairway, yeah, it's because it is so hilly, that course. But TV doesn't do it justice. Trust me. And I'm just going to end with this. I think we might need to crown the Tampa Bay Rays World Series champions. I do think they're going to go 162-0 and this year, and I do think they're going to win every game by four runs <laughs> because here we are. Nine games into the season, and the Tampa Bay Rays are 9-0, and 6-0 at home, 3-0 and on the road, and have won every game by four or more runs that's never happened in Major League Baseball history. They have scored 75 runs in nine games and have given up 18 for a run differential of 57, something that's never happened in the history of baseball, where one team outscored their opponents by more than 50 runs in the first nine games of the season. The Tampa Bay Rays are doing this. And they won this past Saturday and Sunday. I didn't even know about this statistic until Saturday. So going into Saturday, I heard, wow, the Rays are 7-0 and and they've won every game by four runs or more? That's crazy. That's got to come to an end at some point, right? 
the law of averages is just it's got to even out. They're going to lose games, number one. And number two, they're not going to win. When they do win, they can't keep winning every game by four runs. That's ridiculous. So what they do this weekend, after I found out they were 7-0 and heading into Saturday, they won Saturday 11-0 and Sunday 11-0. <laughs> Their lines already, nine games into the season, the Tampa Bay Rays are minus 350 on yesterday's game to win, just to win the game, which means you have to lay $3.50 to win for every dollar you win. That's usually the highest baseball games get. You'll get some games in minus 400 or whatever if you have a number one starter going up against a bad team's fifth starter. Yeah, you'll get somebody easily minus 400, minus 440, something like that. I remember Randy Johnson back in the day sometimes was minus 450. But not nine games into a season, you're already laying almost $400. $4 to win a dollar. That is, I mean, it's nuts. But, you know. The best team in baseball, whoever it is at the end of this year, is still going to lose 62 times minimum. Maybe somebody, you know, wins 105 games, but you win 100 games in baseball, that's an incredible feat. But that means you still lost 62 times. So that's why betting, in case you're a baseball better, that's why you don't bet favorites in baseball unless it's minus, at the max, minus 130 or 140. It's not profitable to bet favorites that are minus 250 or more. It just isn't. It might seem easy on paper, like, oh, my God, look at, you know, Sandy Alcantara's play, pitching against, you know, the Reds or, you know, whatever the case may be. Trust me, it'll even out over time because if you have, let's just say, a three-game series, and let's just say before the series starts, you just know the home t- the, the, the good team is going to be favored by minus 250 every game, minus 300 every game. And you say, I'm just going to bet that they're going to they're going to sweep this series. Well, they can go two and one in that series and you won zero dollars because you win the first game. Great. Plus 100. You win the second game. Great. Plus 100. Now you're up 200. They lose one game in that series. Now you're minus 100 for the series because they lost as a minus 300 favorite. That's what I mean. It evens out. It, it, it looks easy on paper. It isn't. But. Yeah, the Rays are 9 and 0. And if you if anybody could have predicted this, they could have made a fortune in these first 9 games because you could bet the run line, you could bet them minus 1 and a half. You can even some places bet them minus 2 and a half and you would have won all your bets. You'd be 9 and 0 if you bet them on the run, on the run on the money line. You'd be 18 and 0 if you bet them minus 1 and a half. You'd be 27 and 0 if you bet them minus 2 and a half along with, you know, money line and minus 1 and a half. If you if there are places up there where minus three and a half, you'd be thirty six and zero. Like, yes, it's going to even out. They're going to lose games. They're probably going to lose sixty games at some point this year. But I mean, this is a hell of a start. Who would have ever predicted this from the Tampa Bay Rays? Nobody in baseball, outside of the Milwaukee Brewers of all teams, have less than two losses. Everyone's got three or more, except Milwaukee seven and two. Tampa Bay, 9-0, and and everyone else has three or more losses. So, interesting start to the baseball season, to say the least. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. We're going to dive even deeper into the NBA playoff series as we get started this week. The play-in games, they start tomorrow night. So, look for that. 
Lakers, I think the Lakers Timberwolves game is tomorrow night, and then one of the games in the Eastern Conference, can't remember which one it is, is also tomorrow night. And then Wednesday night is the other two games, and then I believe Friday, and they're off Thursday, and then I believe Friday is the the two games uh, to determine the eighth seed in each conference. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you. Let's go